selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Welcome to Intergenerational Politics with Jill Weinbanks and Victor Shi, where we host weekly political discussions that are engaging and relevant to all generations. As always, we want to thank you for listening to Intergenerational Politics. If you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts to support future episodes. And we also have a website, intergenerationalpolitics.com. This is Victor Shi, a freshman at UCLA, um, the youngest elected delegate for Joe Biden, and also co-hosts this podcast with Jill. And I'm Jill Weinbanks, the author of The Watergate Girl, a story about my time as the only woman on the trial team for the Watergate scandal, in which the president was named an unindicted co-conspirator. I also, in addition to being an MSNBC legal analyst, um, in the past, I was the Deputy Attorney General and Solicitor General of Illinois. Uh, And I'm also known as the wearer of Jill's pins. And today's pin is Lady Justice, which I think is the perfect pin for our interview today. We are recording this episode of Intergenerational Politics two days after President Trump was impeached for the second time. This time for insurrection after months of falsely claiming that there was election fraud and then setting fire to the anger he created by exhorting his devotees to march to the Capitol, to stop the steal, to fight like hell, and to prevent Congress from doing its business. President Trump's coup attempt failed, but it did show the fragility of our democracy and the danger that he poses, along with his enablers, for America and the world. Most of all, it makes clear the importance of holding Trump accountable for this and any other crimes he may have committed. The Senate trial may result in conviction this time. The consequences of that could bar Trump from ever holding federal office again. And that's important for many reasons, not only to protect democracy, but to protect those who have contributed money to his campaign 
that he may keep if he does not run and could use for his own personal lifestyle. There is fear that he may pardon himself or resign and then be pardoned by President Pence. That makes the work of our guest today even more important than it already was because no federal pardon can excuse any state actions. Jill and I are so lucky to be um, able to be joined by someone who will loom large in Donald Trump's life once he leaves office, and that person is New York's Attorney General Letitia James. Um, we'll be asking her about how to hold Trump accountable, um, the role that states can play in doing so, and what specifically Attorney General James is doing to uphold the premise of our justice system so that no one is above the law, including the president. Um, I also want to ask her at the end about um, advice for my generation as they consider public service careers. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for joining us today. I have been so impressed with your career and uh, what you've been doing since being elected Attorney General of New York. Um, and I also am so pleased because we share Columbia in common. Yes. And something else you may not know, I started my career like you did, my legal career, at the Legal Aid Society. Oh. Mine was in the Bronx. So, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it was, it was actually my first uh, summer position. And it really got me going into public yeah. service, which obviously had the same effect on you. But yeah. what I want to start with today is let's talk about the current debate about whether to hold Trump accountable. Mm -hmm. The other day, James Comey uh, was on Stephen Colbert and said he doesn't think Trump should be held accountable at the federal level. And he also said that he thought that Biden should consider pardoning Trump. Um, he thought that state prosecutions were okay, though. I disagree with his assessment, not that state is not okay. State is okay, but I think federal is too. And I'd like to hear what your views are of um, Comey's view that only states should go after Trump. No, I disagree with Mr. Comey, and I agree with you. Um, uh, it's clear that the Justice Department uh, needs to immediately begin an investigation. Um, into this attempt at an insurrection and an attempted coup on our nation um, and to hold all of those responsible uh, for their roles in fanning the flames uh, that led to this failed coup. Um, there is a number of members of Congress who aided and abetted um, this uh, attempted insurrection. Um, and there were those, it's, you know, as you know, it was reported, there were members of Congress who basically led um, some of these individuals around the Capitol and uh, basically laid out uh, the floor plan of the Capitol. Um, and so it's really critically important that individuals be held accountable on both on the federal level. Now, in the event that the president uh, pardons is pardoned by either Pence and or himself, in the event that he is pardoned by himself, I think there, obviously there'll be some constitutional challenges to that. But in the event that he steps down and allows Vice President Pence uh, to pardon him, then states obviously should step in. And New York is ready and able, and we're working. We're uh, we know that D.C. also is looking at this, um, and so we are in a position, obviously, uh, to do what we must um, in the absence of the federal government. As a follow-up to that answer, could you tell us what you think about the Republican argument that holding Trump accountable would further divide our nation when it needs healing, and so there should be no prosecutions going forward? No, because I think um, by turning a blind eye to the events that we all of us witnessed, I think would encourage 
individuals to, uh, again, challenge our government. And we have a responsibility and a duty. We all took a sworn oath, including the president of the United States to protect this nation against um, uh, individuals, uh, enemies, both foreign and domestic. And so we've got to uphold um, that oath of office and we've got to hold those individuals um, accountable, particularly since they took action in the greatest symbol of our democracy in the Capitol. It's an affront to all that we believe in and to all of our values. They need to be held accountable and no one is above the law, including the president of these United States. And it's important that we underscore that message. And those who, in addition to that, who aided and abetted him are nothing more than unindicted co-conspirators. It's a great answer. And I thought back during Watergate that President Nixon should be indicted while he was a sitting president and that it was legal to do so. I certainly thought he should be indicted once he resigned. And I now think that had that happened, Donald Trump might've learned a lesson and might've been more cautious in his criminal behavior. Exactly. But um, what are the political considerations that you think the Biden Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, uh, once he's confirmed as the Attorney General, should consider in deciding whether to pursue. Legally, of course, we believe the evidence is there, but what do you think in terms of politics? So again, um, of course, uh, Justice Garland needs to understand that he is um, independent of the president of the United States. He does not serve as the personal attorney of our president. I'm confident and sure that he understands that. And he has to weigh the facts and the evidence as presented to them and make a consideration divorce from politics. Do you think it would possibly be enough to hold Donald Trump accountable through a conviction in the Senate and having a trial in the Senate where facts are presented or do you think that in addition to that, there needs to be civil and criminal penalties uh, or prosecutions, investigations that follow that? So I think it's important that the Senate go forward under the leadership of Chuck Schumer. So um, that uh, again, President, um, it underscores the point um, and it will cement into history that President um, Trump can no longer run for office or future office in 2024. And I think that's really critically important. That's why the Senate should go forward and convict them. But do you think that that's enough? No, um, there obviously there should be more. Um, the Justice Department obviously should consider um, criminal charges against President Trump and again, his co-conspirators as well. In addition to all of those who breached the Capitol, um, we need to make sure that we can identify those individuals. Um, we need to send a strong message out to those white supremacists in particular um, who espouse hate um, that this nation will not be divided and that we are a nation of immigrants and we are and diversity is our greatest strength. And we need to let them know that we will not accept and not tolerate hate, not in these United States or not in any other, and not in any state in these United States. I think what we need to do is get back to healing, um, but I do know, but I do believe that um, obviously those who are responsible for the events should be held accountable. I'm, I'm not sure that healing is possible if you do not hold him accountable. And I don't think it'll take very long to have a trial before the Senate on these charges or if that fails before a local prosecutor to present the evidence. If you've watched the videos, don't you think there's enough evidence right there to show the link between his words, not just his words on the mall, but his words 
in the weeks and months leading up to it that this is a stolen election. Right. I am the winner. And now go march. Fight like hell, he said. Right. He fanned the flames, unfounded conspiracies. His, the election was stolen. And this notion that somehow the laws don't apply to the rich and the powerful, for those reasons, for all of those reasons, um, obviously they need to be held accountable. He needs to, there needs to be a trial in the state Senate and the Justice Department needs to bring charges against the Trump administration and members of Congress. And there are some members of Congress, even to this day, i.e. Senator Cruz and others who are going around saying that the election was stolen. Talk, they need to again, um, speak truth and facts to the American people. Um, and unfortunately not flame these conspiracy theories. And there are many who were in the Senate and the House who welcomed rioters, armed insurrectionists who were wearing t-shirts that said, Six million is not enough. Camp mm -hmm. Auschwitz carrying a Confederate battle flag. That is that flag never made it into the Capitol during the Civil War, and Donald Trump got that done. That's but right. Let's yep. talk about right. and and escorted them into the Capitol the day before to to lay out the plans of the Capitol. I mean, that's just just beyond the pale. What crimes do you think your office? or any other state attorney general or uh, local DA could look at in connection, not just with the insurrection and attempted coup, but in connection with all of the things that we know publicly about Donald Trump's behavior just before the election and during his four years in office. So as you know, we have an active investigation into the Trump organization. It's a civil investigation at this point, but in the event we uncover any facts um, which suggest that there was criminal conduct, it will change the posture of our case. It has a lot to do with his assets, um, the assets of the Trump organizations that were inflated for the purposes of obtaining loans and insurance policies and then deflated for the purposes of tax liability. And it was based on the testimony of Michael Cohen before Congress. That's what launched our investigation. And our investigation is independent of whether or not, the, the, that whether or not Donald Trump is the president or not. And it will um, continue when he is a private citizen. Um, right now we are seeking um, information. Um, we filed a number of motions to compel because they are attempting to obstruct justice. But nonetheless, um, we will continue to go forward. And at some point in time, uh, we will consider the facts and the evidence. Um, and uh, again, if in fact there is any criminal conduct, um, we'll change the posture of the case. But um, our, our case is ongoing. My ears perked up when you said obstruction of justice. Um, what what's going on in that regards? Well, they uh, we you know we sought certain evidence and certain testimony, and they just refused. And so we had to file a motion to compel. Um, we were successful with respect to Eric Trump. Um, he testified before us and others, um, and they also are trying to block the testimony of others, particularly um, as it relates to additional information that we are seeking. But we have been successful thus far, and I'm confident that we will be successful going forward. Um, upon the completion of our investigation, um, we hope will result in um, a action going forward. Are there some other civil cases? Because I think Donald Trump is as worried about losing all of his uh, financial resources as he is about spending time in jail. Um, but for example, 
some of the victims of the January 6th uprising um, who were killed or injured, do they have possible civil cases um, or victims of COVID where he totally has not done the job of the president to protect people? Um, and uh, for example, the Michigan governor, former Michigan governor, uh, this Michigan governor has been threatened by yes. the same horrible people, but the past one uh, has been charged with um, crimes in connection with the water system in Flint. Sure. Um, I, so is there some way that the president mm. could be held liable for uh, victims of COVID? As so well I don't know. We have not analyzed um, uh, the facts as it relates to those allegations, um, but our investigation is ongoing. And of course, I cannot discuss any pending investigations other than the ones that are, that are publicly known. Um, but um, again, we are far reaching. Um, our investigation is broad um, and we're trying to hold those accountable um, for most recent events. Um, and we're looking at the behavior of um, others and including the president uh, for the last four years while he's been in office. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we wanna get into your um, uh, the case that you are the case is pending in New York, but um, I just want to follow up on um, what happened last week and some of what you're doing to hold um, the state of New York, um, Trump, the Trump Organization accountable. I know last week um, you called on the DOJ to not only hold those who broke into the Capitol building accountable, but then you're also calling on um, the DOJ to investigate Trump, his family, and members of Congress who played a role in um, inciting that insurrection. Um, have you heard any response from that or, or kind of tell us about kind of what you uh, filed last week and, and um, the status of that? So it was just a, basically we had requested that DOJ look into the actions of the president, members of Congress and staff, um, and to see whether or not they could bring charges against those individuals to hold them accountable and hold them responsible for an attack on our democracy. Um, this insurrection obviously violated the rights of all of us in this thing in the United States and individuals should be held accountable. And it's important that individuals understand that the president of the United States, uh, again, was responsible um, for leading these people to charge the Capitol. He basically said it. Um, and so he cannot walk away from those words. Um, he incited them to riot and that's exactly what they did. And it resulted in the death of five individuals, including one police officer. Um, and so the, the president of the United States should be held accountable. Um, and I'm hoping that the DOJ um, under Justice Garland uh, will take action um, as soon as they are sworn into office or as soon as he is confirmed into office. And we are looking into whether or not, you know, as you know, there have been reports on the internet with regards to um, uh, attacks on state capitals all across this nation. And we have notified our state police and they, we've been working with our state police. I mean, we are prepared for any action that's going to be taken in Albany. Yeah, and are, are you communicating with agencies like the FBI, DHS and other state and local agencies in New York to make sure that you know, the violence that you described um, coming on state capitals and next week um, doesn't happen again? Yeah, what, we're, what we've asked for is to identify any individuals who might be New York State residents um, and to do some research on those individuals to see if they're members of hate crimes, et cetera, or to see whether or not they're tied to any alleged action that may occur in the Capitol in Albany. And I think a lot of our audience might be wondering, you know, whether your office, because we know that you have such a big part um, in this whole and uh, holding people accountable. Can your office specifically do anything about holding any New Yorker who participated in the violence on the Hill accountable? Or is that up to something 
or is that up to people like uh, U.S. attorneys or the district attorneys or, um, you know, the DOJ? It's primarily federal crimes, but we are looking to see whether or not we can take any state action at this point. We, are, we have, um, again, from day one, I've asked my staff to look into whether or not we can hold any New York residents accountable for their actions, whether or not we can tie the actions uh, that occurred in Washington um, to any state acts. Um, and that's what we were investigating at this point in time. And we've asked everyone to, uh, again, to look at these individuals um, it's on our website. Um, Senator Schumer sent over a website from the FBI. Um, and if anyone can identify these individuals, we need to know who they are and they need to be held accountable. Um, and so we need as many eyeballs as possible um, and to identify the individuals who are responsible for the insurrection. Some have been identified, but we know that there's clearly more and there are more indictments coming forward is my understanding. And can you uh, look forward a little bit to January 16th and January 20th and the anticipated violence um, and what actions you might be taking right now to protect um, Albany or anywhere else in New York State that might be subject to uh, the armed terrorists taking over or at least attempting to? At this point in time, it's my understanding that there are no real threats, uh, but we stand ready. We're working with state police um, and we're working with the National Guard. But in the event that there are any attempts at an insurrection in the state capital in Albany, we're ready. Yeah, that is so important. Um, so like I said at the beginning, and um, you know, you play, you will play such a large part in Trump's life post, um, you know, his his presidency. And, um, you know, whatever happens on the federal level, as you and Jill discussed, you know, your office and local prosecutors um, will have a major role in holding Trump accountable. Um, we got into a little bit about what your office is doing um, on the civil side. Um, you know, there are two investigations right now in New York, at least, um, one by uh, Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance, yeah. the other one by your office. Um, in that regard, could you, I guess, first help our audience understand the basic duties of a state attorney general and how it differs from the work um, that Cy Vance is doing as district attorney? So our jurisdiction is primarily civil in nature. We do have some criminal jurisdiction, but for the most part, we really don't trespass on the rights of the 62 district attorneys uh, throughout the state of New York. They primarily have criminal jurisdiction. Um, and so we serve as the chief law enforcement agency uh, we represent the executive um, and we are responsible for defending the state, the, the executive in any actions that have been, that are taken um, against uh, the executive. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, we've got um, a um, consumer affairs bureau where we focus on protecting the rights of consumers in the state of New York, particularly now since we're seeing a lot of fraud against the vulnerable and those who are socially isolated um, in relation to COVID. Um, and in relation to stimulus checks, people are being taken advantage of. Uh, we have a real estate bureau where we're focusing on housing issues and uh, again, assisting those individuals who might be facing eviction and or foreclosure uh, and, and those individuals who might be taking advantage of um, tenants during this crisis um, who might be engaging in what they call self-help evictions by taking matters into their own hand. We've got a um, a charities bureau, as you know, we filed an action against the NRA most recently because the NRA is a not-for-profit organization. Um, um, and so we have jurisdiction over all charitable organizations in the state of New York. Uh, we have a healthcare bureau where we have stood up on behalf of reproductive rights, not only in New York, but all across this country, defending a woman's right to choose. We have a uh, investor protection bureau and, and protecting investors. 
that they're not subject to um, fraud on Wall Street. We've got a unit focusing on issues related to Google um, and Facebook, where we have brought um, a case against Facebook and a case against uh, Google relating to predatory acquisitions of um, corporations uh, where they wanted to maintain their monopoly dominance. Um, and uh, so we have a unit um, in the Office of Attorney General, which focuses on um, monopolies going forward and making sure um, that uh, consumers are protect protected, their data is protected, um, and that um, uh, individuals, um, that small businesses um, have an ability to thrive in the market. There's ma major tech companies that are concentrated in the market, and it's really critically important uh, that we provide competition in the market and that we not violate the law. Um, we also have um, a criminal unit where we focus on gun trafficking and human trafficking. We have units that focus on defending the state. And those are just some of the units that we have in the state of New York. And uh, we're busy, obviously, we've been uh, focusing on the Trump administration within the last two years. We again filed the action against the NRA yesterday um, our civil rights bureau, which focuses not only on hate, but on making sure that civil rights laws are enforced in the state of New York, housing discrimination, et cetera. Uh, we, we filed a lawsuit just yesterday against the city of New York and the NYPD for violating the rights of peaceful protesters this past summer. Um, individuals who engaged in peaceful protest in the aftermath of the death and murder of George Floyd um, and their rights were violated. Uh, and so we have been very busy in the last two years. We have filed a total of 68 cases against the Trump administration um, as it relates to our environment, reproductive rights, uh, consumer rights, um, with, re with respect to just reversing um, all the progress that we have made as, as the nation. These regressive laws that they have put forward, we have stood up time and time again against this administration. And we are working with the Biden transition team again to roll back um, all of those cases um, and to stay those cases going forward. Um, it's really critically important that we um, move forward in this nation and not backwards. And this administration, again, has, uh, has put forth you know, dirty air rules, dirty energy rules, dirty water rules, as opposed to clean air, clean water, and clean energy, and protecting the interest of women and children um, in this country as well. And standing up for the census, that was really critically important to me. Um, again, this administration, the Trump administration, did not want to include um, undocumented immigrants in the census. And it was important that we stand up for the Constitution and the census and that we have an accurate count, um, an accurate count because it reflects uh, the number of seats in Congress. And it was important that we have an accurate reapportionment, that when we engage in the reapportionment process, that everyone be counted. The Constitution speaks to everyone being counted. And one's immigration status has nothing to do with an accurate count. And we went, uh, the case was uh, led all the way up to the United States Supreme Court and they confirmed that right. But we're still having post-census litigation because this administration would still like to exclude immigrants, undocumented immigrants uh, from the reapportionment count. Um, and so at any day now, um, within the next six days until the inauguration, the Trump administration uh, could exclude undocumented immigrations uh, from the reapportionment count and states like New York, which is a rich immigrant state, could lose seats in Congress, and we could ill afford that. But in the event that this president does that, we are prepared um, to file a lawsuit. We filed 68 lawsuits um, within this administration within the last two years, 37 in this last year, 
um, and uh, in general, but specifically as it relates to the environment, we have um, filed uh, over 100 cases against wow. this administration and counting. That is, that is an amazing yeah. list and certainly gives um, new meaning to the lady justice pin I'm wearing today. Yes. You are uh, doing an amazing mm -hmm. job. Um, go ahead, Victor. Sorry, I just <laughs> I'm blown away. You must have a huge staff. Well, we do. We have a huge staff, but you know, he's particularly, you know, over the these last two years since I've served in office, he's, you know, he's focused on New York. Uh, um, he's accused us of being an anarchist jurisdiction, so we can't apply for certain grants. We've been kicked out of the trusted traveler program, so we can't be expedited when we travel. Um, we uh, the Affordable Care Act, obviously, we had to defend. Um, the, the Postal Service we had to defend, particularly around the elections where they wanted to undermine the integrity of the postal system and our election as a whole. Um, he wanted to deny um, dreamers um, to be members of, uh, who, are, who are DACA residents, individuals who came to this country through no fault of their own, who basically wanted to take advantage of the American dream. We stood up and defended them. Um, and, uh, the list just goes on and on and on. And as the chief law enforcement officer, I had to, had to defend the rights of New Yorkers um, who were being penalized. And lastly, something that really hurts New Yorkers and that is the SALT tax. And that is the state and local tax um, uh, bill, which limits New Yorkers from deducting their um, housing uh, tax uh, to $10,000 on their taxes. That really hurt New Yorkers um, because of uh, the tax situation here in the state of New York. Yeah, that is truly incredible. And we are so glad that you're, you're not only holding Trump accountable, but you're also fighting for all of New Yorkers' rights and their liberties. So that is truly remarkable to hear. Um, and also just for you know going forward, if any Republican or any person wants to um, attack New York, just be prepared because we have Attorney General James who's going to push back. <laughs> but one last question to end the podcast. You know, you are such an inspiration for so many in the legal profession. The work that you do, as you know, our audience could hear, is incredible. Um, at this moment when leadership, lawyers, public service is so needed, um, what advice would you give my generation who may be interested in that line of work? So let me just say, you know, we were talking a lot by, about Google and Facebook. It's antitrust laws. So we have an antitrust unit which stands up um, again, uh, to uh, uh, again, we have jurisdiction and we want to prevent monopolies happening in our marketplace. But to young people, I love young people, um, which is why I was amazed and my heart was warmed when I saw the thousands of New Yorkers who took to the streets in the aftermath of uh, the racial unrest uh, over the summer. Um, and I live not too far from the Barclays Arena, which is, um, I guess, our, our, the, the, the arena where individuals come and petition their government and they have rally, rallies. Um, and so, and they were individuals of all races and ethnicities who marched and marched um, obviously for um, racial reckoning in this country. Um, and so young people inspire me uh, because um, change usually happens through young people, not through elected officials, not through politicians. It's usually young people who demand change, not only in this nation, but all across this globe. And I'm just thinking, I always think about the young man who stood in front of that tank in Tiananmen Square, who stood up for democracy. I think about all of the young people um, who stood up for freedom during the civil rights movement as part of SNCC. And I just think of all of the young people who marched in our streets this summer um, seeking racial reckoning. Um, it's young people and individuals need to understand that this too is their country. And if they really want change, fundamental change, 
They've got to march with their feet. They've got to petition their government. They've got to get involved and they've got to hold elected officials, including myself, accountable. And that's what I do each and every day. And they need to understand um, that the um, arc of the universe, as Dr. King said, is long, but it bends towards justice. Let us continue to bend that arc towards justice. And we and um, young people must do it and understand um, what's at stake. Their fundamental freedoms are at stake. Yeah. From my generation to Jill's generation, we are so grateful for all that you do and for spending some time with us. Um, we know that you know you have some important work ahead, not only holding Trump accountable, but also you know fighting for New York's uh, New Yorkers. Thank you very much. And I have one other question. Um, Maya Wiley is a dear friend and a very much respected person. Yes. And I saw the news that she has a new opponent who has a lot of money. Yeah. Andrew Yang. And I'm just wondering, as a New Yorker, what you think that will do to the um, mayoral race in New York City? It's a it's a crowded field. It's a very crowded field. Um, and the worst kept secret was, as most of you know, when I was considering running for the office of attorney general, um, I was preparing to run for mayor. Um, but here I am as the, the attorney general. And so uh, there's a last count, there are at least 11, 12, 13 candidates. Wow. Um, a lot of them are my very close friends. I just need, I just, whoever the candidate is that, um, that I may or may not support, I'm not even sure if I'm going to endorse anyone. I just wanna move our city forward. I wanna continue uh, the progress that others have made in this um, city. I wanna make sure that we can, um, just, we can uh, focus on those who are invisible and those who are locked out of the sunshine of opportunity, create opportunities for children and allow children um, to be, to reach their, um, their destiny. Um, that's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone with bright ideas, someone who's bold and brave and someone who will speak truth to justice. And so that may be, uh, may be a woman, maybe a, a woman of color. I don't know. It's too early as far as I'm concerned. But whoever it is, um, I'm looking forward um, to them serving as my mayor. For sure. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. And not just today, but for mm -hmm. all you've done in the last two years. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so Surely. much, Jill. Thank you for everything. And please send me a pin. I, <laughs> I am. I am. I'm, we will talk after the show to get an address where I can mail it. Thank you so much for being here. I thank you. And I appreciate all that you do, particularly during this Martin Luther King weekend. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Intergenerational Politics. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to support future episodes. Thanks so much. See you in our next episode. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. 
From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. 